Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for um, just the opportunity to hang out with these guys uh, this morning, share a little bit of your word uh, as we uh, study uh, the third person of the Trinity called the Holy Spirit. And so, God, as we uh, study your word, let us learn, let us glean, let us understand, uh, let us just gain a bit of our knowledge, uh, a bit more knowledge about uh, who, uh, who the Holy Spirit is and uh, how he operates within the Trinity and how he operates in our lives and the believers' lives. And then let us walk um, and be more uh, sensitive to what the Holy Spirit wants us to do, what the Holy Spirit wants us to say, uh, how the Holy Spirit has empowered us for ministry and life. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, last, uh, uh, last Sunday... Uh, we uh, we looked at um, you know the the four gifts that were given, uh, and then our spiritual gifts. Just a little bit, kind of focused on those and how spiritual gifts are supposed to be used by us uh, in the church uh, to build God's church. But uh, I want to look today at uh, the Holy Spirit. We talk about the Trinity as being God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Those three: God the Father. Uh, most people, even in Christendom, Christianity, understand there is there is a God. All right, uh, there, uh, there are those who believe that there is a God the Father, a God the Son, and a God the Holy Spirit, but they also believe that uh, in what you refer to as modalism, and uh, modalism is that it's just one God. At some point, God acts as Father. At some point, God acts as Son when He was on the ground, uh, when He was on the earth, and then at some point now, God acts as the Holy Spirit. Uh, that is not the Trinity. Okay, the Trinity is a three in one, that there is one God, Deuteronomy chapter 6 says there is one God, here, O Israel, there is one God, but then we also see uh, throughout Scripture that not only is there this one God, but there's three expressions of this God, three full persons of this Godhead, of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Part of when we see them, you can go all the way back to uh, the Old Testament. It says, uh, and God created. You look at that word God, uh, the word Elohim. Uh, really, it's in the plural in the Hebrew. All right, It's in the plural. It's not a singular. It's in the plural. It tells us that there is, you know, when God created, we see at the creation of the world that the Spirit of God hovered over the earth. Uh, you uh, roll through to the New Testament. You see at Jesus' baptism. What do we see? Jesus, the Son who is fully God and fully man. What did Paul say in Colossians chapter 2? All the fullness of deity, that's the Godhead, 100% deity, dwelt in Jesus in bodily form. That's where we get the idea and the statement that you hear us talk about. Jesus was fully God and fully man. So at Jesus' baptism, this fully God, fully man, what do we see? We, we see at the baptism the Holy Spirit descending like a dove, then we hear the voice of the Father from heaven saying, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. So we got that. So three persons in the Trinity. Probably uh, we talk about God a lot. We talk about the holiness of God, the purity of God, uh, all of those things of God. We talk about Jesus a lot. Probably the one that's taught on the least. Um, and part of that is because uh, he's probably expressed the least throughout Scripture is the Holy Spirit. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about the Holy Spirit uh, today. So let me start with this idea that the Holy Spirit is God. Uh, and, and as such, why do we know that there is a distinct personality of the Godhead or a distinct person of the Godhead uh, that is fully God? 
that uh, we're going to see here in a few seconds. It's not an impersonal force. It is fully God. Well, uh, one of the statements is uh, uh, you can say is anytime you see the Holy Spirit referred to, the names that are designated by the Holy Spirit are names that are also used of God. They are names that are also used of God. If uh, you look at John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus is talking about he's going back to the Father. Remember the beginning of John chapter 14 uh, verse 1, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. Uh, uh, some like to say mansions. Uh, many, many places to live uh, for all believers. He says, And if I go to prepare a place for you up there, I will come in again to receive you to myself. Now, that's at the beginning of John chapter 14. And so Thomas, uh, uh, being um, the man who asked the first uh, uh, question about directions, the only man we ever know asking directions. He goes, Lord, uh, if you go away, how will we know how to get there? And uh, everybody, all the other disciples looked at him and said, did you just ask for directions? Uh, and then Jesus responded and said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. How do we get to heaven, that dwelling place, the place of God the Father, God the Son? We get there through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way. The way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. Uh, he says, I am the way, I'm the truth. He goes, man, when you look at me, you see the truth about who you are, that you needed a lamb that takes away the sins of the world, that none of us are perfect. You see the love of God. You see the love of God in the fact that he loved us so much in spite of our sinfulness, in spite of the fact that we rejected him over and over again. He sent his son. So when you look at me, you see the truth. The truth is we needed a Savior God loved you in spite of your sins. And then he says, I'm the life. Uh, I am the eternal life. When you come to me and you receive me, you receive eternal life. Now, remember he started that off, uh, chapter 14, by saying in verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. What were the disciples troubled about? Well, he had just told them that his ministry on earth was over. Okay? These guys had left everything. They had left family. They had left uh, occupations. They had left uh, whatever career path, whatever relationship they had on this earth, they had left those to follow Christ, all right? So they had been with Christ, and guess what? They had seen some amazing things, right? They had seen him walk on water. They had seen him feed the 5,000. They had seen him... Uh, uh, make the lame walk. They had seen him make the blind see. They had made, seen him do all of these things. Now imagine being with that guy. Uh, they had even, just before we come uh, to the passage in John chapter 13 where he washes their feet in John chapter 14, where he says, uh, uh, let not your heart be troubled. Uh, they had just seen Jesus right there. John recounts they had seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. Okay, now how many of you, if we've been hanging out with that dude, kind of feel comforted? You know, if if I get attacked by robbers and killed, I am walking next to the dude that can say, John Mark, rise and walk, right? How many of you feel like, hey, if I ever run out of food, this dude can make it happen, right? If uh, if if somebody in my family ever gets sick, they've seen men, a man come up and say, my daughter is sick. They've seen over and over, man, to be next to that guy that you've given up everything. How many of you would think that'd be a pretty cool deal? All right? Now he said, I'm leaving, right? I'm leaving. Now what did he do? He says, I didn't, I'm not going to leave you alone. 
So if you go to John chapter 14, hopefully you have your smart device out because you're going to need, we're going to be jumping around. Like I said, this is more of a, uh, of a, the, of a doctrine uh, lesson than anything else. If you look in John chapter 14, Jesus said, uh, and I will ask the Father, he says, I'm going back to the Father in the early verse, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, listen to this, and be with you forever. All right, now that doesn't look like much, but if you look at that word, another, all right? If you look at that word, another, Jesus says, I'm going back to the Father. I'm going to ask the Father. He will send you another who will be an advocate, uh, your tra- who will help you. Uh, who else has a different translation than that? What does it say other than advocate to help you? Huh? Comforter. You, you've got one, Shane, that says counselor. Did you just make that one up? Okay, good. So, <clears throat> so we've got advocate, comforter, counselor. Anybody have a translation that says something different? Helper, helper, okay, helper. Now, notice in my translation, the NIV kind of kind of tries to capture both of those. They put them a, 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 an advocate to help you, you know, a helper, a comforter, counselor. Uh, that first of all, let's look at that word another. You can't see it in the English language. If you look in the Greek, uh, you can see uh, that uh, in the Greek there are two different Greek words that mean another. All right, uh, one word in the Greek means another of a different kind. You know, somebody's just going to bring some, bring another something in here. We're going to bring another one. Um, one another in the Greek uh, means another of the very same essence or the very same kind. That's the word that is used here. Jesus says, I'm going to the Father. I'm going to send another one to you who is of the same essence as me. What is that? Deity, all right? Deity. He says, I'm going to go to the Father. And so that's an inscription that we see uh, some 16 times. Uh, we see throughout um, Scripture that, um, that the Holy Spirit is related to uh, the deity. It's related somehow to the deity. Remember in the Great Commission, go out and baptize in the name of the what? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, okay? So it's not uncommon when we see the names or the Holy Spirit talked about uh, that the Holy Spirit is talked about just as the Godhead is talked about. Uh, also, if you think about uh, the Holy Spirit being God, uh, He's demonstrated over and over again that He has the attributes that we would assign to God, right? The attributes of, uh, that we would assign to God. If you walk up to someone and their son looks very much like him, you go, man, you're a spitting image of your father, right? Uh, and that's what we see over and over in Scripture is the Holy Spirit <laughs> Uh, is used and talked about in ways uh, that God is talked about. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 13, uh, he says, Who can fathom the Spirit of the Lord or instruct um, uh, the Lord as his counselor? Man, he talks about the Spirit of the Lord. That's a word. He's the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Most High. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 says, uh, What we have received is not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is God. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. What is he saying? You receive the Holy Spirit. This is Paul after the New Testament church has been created. He's talking, about, talking to the Corinthian believers. He's saying you have received the Spirit, but it's not a spirit of this world. It's the Spirit of God, right? So what is he saying? And this Spirit is not just an impersonal force. It's not some lesser God. It's not like you have this all God and you have this all Jesus and then you have this 
high percentage force. No, he's saying it's the Spirit of God, all right? If you go to another one here, let me give you another one. And, and it's a passage we've been looking at right here, Psalm 139, verse 7. Uh, if we, We've been teaching out of Psalm 139, verse 7, and I'll do it again this week as we relate it, relate it to our experiences. Uh, and this is the passage that... Uh, uh, I was reading through it yesterday in between meetings, and this is what I'll be preaching this week. And he says, the psalmist says, where can I flee from your spirit? Where can I go? If I go to the mountaintops, you're there. If I go to the deepest, darkest valleys, you're there. We're going to talk about some of the experiences God allows us to go through in life. And as I look across this room, uh, I think one of the beauties of Cottonwood uh, forever is, um, is that uh, a lot of people here, if they look back a year or five years or 15 years or 20 years, there was a train wreck in their life. How many of you ever had a train wreck in your life? How many of you have been the engineer? You understand what I'm saying? And, and God puts it together, and I love what the psalmist says. And, and you know what? Every one of those experiences, and I, I think one of the great detriments of the church, we never want to step back and, and brag about our past and brag about the sins and brag about our brokenness, but nor do we want to be hypocrites and pretend we weren't there. I think one of the worst things that can happen, the most tragic things that can happen uh, in a church is that we all walk around like from the womb to the tomb, we've done it all right. That's hypocrisy. Now, praise God because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, spiritually speaking, and we talked about it this Sunday, that God has removed our iniquities from us as far as the east is from the west. How many of you are a little grateful for that, right? All right, God's removed it, so he, he makes us through justification. He gives us Christ's righteousness. When He looks at us and the Holy Spirit living in us, God sees His Son. But the reality of it is, man, we need to understand that, that, that we are all broken. So please, when, when someone comes in new, and a lot of times people roll into our church because they've just driven the train off the cliff, Right? And they wonder, can God love me or, you know, can the Holy Spirit still care for me? And the truth is we can go back with the psalmist who says, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? The truth is God's spirit is everywhere. And we're going to look most importantly as we look in the New Testament, jump to the New Testament, that we're going to see that he dwells in us. But where can I go from the Spirit? He says, if I go to the top of the highest mountain peak, you're there. If I go to the deepest, darkest valley, you are there. What is he saying? He goes, man, if my experiences that I'm going through are phenomenal, guess what? God's Spirit is right there with you. If my, my experience that I'm going through is the deepest, darkest valley, he goes, guess what? God's Spirit was right there. You know, if you're a believer and, and, and you've driven the train off the cliff, if you've messed up or you're going through something, so this week, we're going to talk about some of the experiences that God allowed people in Scripture to go through and some of the experiences that God allows us to go through and then how God can use those if we are willing to move through our brokenness to minister to others, right? To minister to others. We're going to focus uh, this week on uh, uh, some of our care ministries. We have divorce care. We have grief share. Uh, we have uh, uh, cancer ministry. We have uh, celebrate recovery. Why, why do you have divorce care? People go through divorces, all right? 
Why do you have to celebrate recovery? People are addicted to things. Guess what? When we start all of those, there have been people in our church that did not like the fact that the church started those. Why? Because it wasn't their sin. Let's be honest, right? Let me tell you, that's, that's, let me, I'm going to be a real why. Because that's not their sin. Yeah, exactly. Amen. Hey, you can preach that. All right. Uh, yeah, you're giving a testimony, Sonny. Uh, so, you know, yeah. <laughs> so the point is, we're all broken. All right. So uh, give, me, give you another one real quick. Job 33, verse 4 says, The Spirit of God has made me. What is he saying? The Spirit of God was there involved in creation, right? Um, the breath of the Almighty gives me life. What is he saying? Man, the Spirit of God is God. If you look at Psalm 104, verse 30, it says, when you uh, send the Spirit, uh, they are created, and you renew the, face, uh, renew the face of the ground. Man, it says the Spirit of God is in a renewing business. So uh, next thing we see uh, about, uh, about the Spirit, uh, he performs some actions. He, he does actions uh, that are attributed uh, to God. Uh, the Holy Spirit was involved in the virgin birth. How many of you remember the story in Luke chapter 1? It said, the Holy Spirit will come on Mary, and she will what? Give birth and conceive of the Most High God. The, 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 the Holy, God sent His Spirit uh, to, uh, um, uh, to uh, overwhelm Mary and impregnate Mary. Now, we can't go into all that. We don't know a lot about that. But what we know is what Scripture tells us is that Jesus didn't have an earthly father. He had a heavenly father. Well, what, what was the instrument? Who was the instrument that the heavenly father used uh, to cause Mary to conceive and give birth? It was the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we know. The Holy Spirit is doing the acts uh, of God. We also see... Uh, uh, that uh, the Holy Spirit uh, is the one, when we talk about the divine inspiration of Scripture, the Holy Spirit was involved in the divine inspiration of Scripture. If you go look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 says, uh, For prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets through whom spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So God's Spirit was involved in, um, in the writing, using human instruments, but empowering these human instruments to write down the divine counsel of God, to speak forth the divine counsel of God. And I love uh, those words. They were carried along. They were directed. They were, they, were, they were driven. They were empowered. They were moved by the Holy Spirit to write down the words that we study and the words that we talk about uh, today. Um, as, as I said a few minutes ago, the Holy Spirit uh, is involved in the creation of the world. We all understand, you know, in the beginning, God created, right? We understand God. But if you look in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, it says, uh, Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over all of the waters. All right? So you got the Spirit of God there. So we've got the Holy Spirit who is God. He's uh, involved in creation, given aspirations of creation, helped us get Scripture. So that's one aspect. Let me give you the second aspect of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit is personal. All right? It's, the Holy Spirit is not a divine force. All right? It's not uh, Star Wars mentality. 
You know, it's not Luke, may the force be with you. Good luck. Find the stream, all right? That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person, just like God the Father is a person, God the Son is a person. So is the Holy Spirit a person. Uh, if you uh, look at some ideas like 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse uh, 10 and 11, it says uh, there are things God has revealed, by, revealed to us by a spirit. The Spirit searches all things and even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thought except for his own spirit that is within them. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except for the Spirit of God. All right? What is he saying? The, the Spirit is not a, an impersonal force that lacks intelligence. It says the Spirit knows, the Spirit sees, the Spirit understands. Just like God sees and knows and understands. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13, just a couple of verses down, it says, uh, this is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught to us by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. I love those. So what is he saying? The Spirit is, is personal and intellectual. He says, we don't speak to you with human wisdom. Even today, uh, in Paul's day, we don't speak to you with human wisdom. How many of you would agree, if you think back, there are some scientists and mathematicians and some people around that we would all look at and say, those people are geniuses, right? I mean, you say, I, I, won't, I won't, you know, I'm, I'm in that college phase, and every once in a while I'll hear about someone that scored the perfect score. My kids have done really well on the SAT or really well on the ACT, but none of them have gotten a perfect score which is exactly the reason my wife and I still eat ramen noodles. Um, I wish they would. Uh, but from time to time, we will hear people. We've had kids in our church score perfect scores, and I'm like, golly, smart people. Then they go on and have these other careers, and they'll talk to you about IT or some software they're developing. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And they'll talk about those things, and you're just kind of going, I had no idea what those last 80 words were that came out of your mouth, right? And we've had some guys, yeah, exactly. We've had some guys in our church that um, they've been on the leading edge of technology in some major technology companies or cell companies for years, right? And all of a sudden, they get jettisoned out of the workforce. We know people like this, right? And they're at the top of their game. They go to get back in, and it's all changed, Right? The new technology, they were familiar with the old technology, but asked them to step into the new technology, and they just go, wow, I don't get it. Why? Because intellect, man, it just, our human wisdom is great, but what he's saying right here is, I don't speak to you with human wisdom. Let me tell you what, the Spirit speaks to us in a wisdom that is from God. So the Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force that can be manipulated or, or, or driven or called upon or... Uh, even, uh, you know, summoned up through some seance. The Holy Spirit is wise and intellectual. Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, what I, what I meant, and hopefully I added this word, a, an impersonal divine force. What I was trying to say is he's not, he is a divine force because he's the Spirit of God. But if you look in Star Wars, that was my recommendation, that was what I was referencing there, is we, the, may the force be with you. 
what is the force in Star Wars? It's more of an impersonal force. It's more of a, a wave that has no personality, no intellect. What I was saying is that the Holy Spirit is personal. Does that make sense? It's uh, it, The Holy Spirit empowers us and got incredible power. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But I want you to know, when we relate to the Holy Spirit, and we're going to see it in a few seconds when we talk about the Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy Spirit can be quenched. There are things I can say and do in my life that... To put it on an earthly way, it hurts the Holy Spirit's feelings. In other words, he's not some impersonal force is what I'm saying of God. It's not some, you know, eternal noose that is out there. He's not some eternal soup. Uh, he's intellectual. He's personal. So that's what I meant to say if, uh, if I dropped out that word impersonal. Has everybody got what I'm saying there is that, that we relate to the Holy Spirit not as a force but as a person, as God. That's how we should relate and talk to it. And we talk to the Spirit. God's Spirit empower me and talk to me. All right, uh, here's another. Uh, I, well, just to touch on what I was just sharing with. Uh, if you look in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, uh, we see um, that, uh, that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Uh, it says in verse 30, it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I'm going to come back to the sealing part because that's what I, one of the things I want to talk to you about today. But notice the first part, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. How many of you have ever grieved before? What, what, that's when someone hurts you, right? Or you are hurt. Do we realize that there are things that we can do and things that we can say that literally, and, and I don't want to diminish this by using this word, but it's when we understand that we hurt the Holy Spirit's feelings. Yeah, yeah. And we is that is that when the Holy Spirit lives in us, and we've had how many of you? you well, not how many. You all know. We've all seen that idea that 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 in every conversation with your wife. There's always the devil on one side and the angel on the other side or the Holy Spirit on the other side. There's always what I should say and what I want to say, right? How many of you know y'all are all tapped in to what I'm saying right now? I've, I've, I've put it down there on the tee where y'all can all hit it, right? And we know I probably shouldn't say this, but I do, right? Because I'm a man. And then I look at my wife's face. And I can tell that stung. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And, and I also know in my mind there's something else I could have said or something else I could have done. Or God forbid, I don't say anything, right? Now, that's never going to happen. Uh, but the same idea is that we can do things as believers and say things as believers that, and, and, and I don't want to uh, anthropomorphize this too much, that really causes the same look to be on the Holy Spirit's face. Does that make sense? That the Holy Spirit says, God, that was not what I wanted you to say. That was not what I wanted you to do. We grieve the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, not only is it God, He's a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. If you go down, uh, man, the Holy Spirit uh, has a desire for your life. 
has a will for your life. How many of you would talk about God's will, God's will, God's will? The Holy Spirit has a will for your life. Now, I want you to know the Holy Spirit's will for your life is exactly the same as God's will for your life. But just as parents, guess what? There are certain things as my kids grow up, I really want them to act a certain way, to be a certain way, to do a certain thing, right? I would love for them to go in this general direction. But it also says train up a child in the way they should go. When they are old, they will not depart from it. That means that I'm not making robots. You know, I'm not making robots. Well, that's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes into the believer's life, He doesn't come in and force us to say all the right things and do all the right things. However, He has a will for our life. If you look back to that uh, little passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, it says, And these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and who distributes, these are God's gifts, each one of them just as he determines. So the Holy Spirit says, guess what? God and I are in on this, and my will is we're going to distribute these spiritual gifts, that's the context in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, as we want, as we desire, uh, not necessarily as we desire. I mean, I, I may want a certain sp a spiritual gift, but that's not what God has given us. Uh, if you look in Acts uh, 16, verse 6 to 11, talking about uh, the Spirit has a will, it says, Paul and his companions, uh, as they were rolling through, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region um, of Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So what did the Holy Spirit do? Had a will. Said, I don't want you to preach there. It's not time. It's not the right season. The Holy Spirit says, nope, we're not going to do this. Then if you go on, when they came to the brothers in Mysia, uh, they tried to enter uh, uh, Bithynia, but the spirit, of the, Jew, uh, Jesus, the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. What happened? The Spirit said, you know, we're not going to go in there either. Uh, so they passed on to somewhere else. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging, uh, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen this vision, uh, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel there. What is it? The Holy Spirit had a will. And what was that will? Don't stop here. Don't stop here. Go here. All right? And God and God's Spirit in our lives has that same kind of will. He says, hey, don't stop at this store. Don't stop at this store. Go here. Don't stop at this place because you know what's going to happen. You're going to end up going off in a ditch, right? Uh, I want you to do this. Sometimes the the Spirit of God, uh, you, you, you take as a church. Um, uh, we, we all, my guess is, if you say, hey, what are five things we want to do? And I had everybody in here who loves Jesus write down five things we think we need the church needs to do. Guess what? In a room this size, that means we would come up with about a thousand things, different things. At some point, we've got to try to determine what would the Holy Spirit you know, want us to do? How would he, what would be the next step? What would be the next ministry? What do we want to do? And there are times that God says, uh, God says, don't stop here. Don't do this and don't do this. Now, the beautiful thing, if you look even there in Paul's life, um, the Holy Spirit wasn't tell, telling Paul, we're never going to preach there. What, what he was telling Paul is we're not going to preach there now. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying? Just because it's not right now doesn't mean it's never. All right? If we think about God, how God can answer our prayers, God can sometimes come to us. I, I know there have been times that I have prayed, and about the first time I say, I get the thought, and I'm going to ask God something. And I say, dear Lord, he goes, nope. I mean, he's just been that clear to me. Anybody ever, you, you've prayed that prayer, and I'm saying, Lord, nope. 
Sometimes he'll wait, wait for me to say amen, and then he says no again, all right? There are other times that I, I, about the time I start and say, God, is this what you, and he goes, yep, this is what I want you to do. And he's just, yes. And then there are other times that there's just kind of a not now. Does that make sense? That's the Holy Spirit leading us, no, yes, not now. And, you know, and there are a lot of times in church and in ministry, and I've learned this over 23 years, uh, that, and some of you may have even been frustrated in this church or other churches now because there's something seems so clear and so vivid to you that we need to do, right? Now, how many of you could come up for something for us to do right now, right? Yeah, I don't want to hear your shame. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> But sometimes the answer is, we'll get there. Be patient. Just not now. Does that make sense? Not now. And so that's sometimes the Spirit of God saying no, saying yes, or not now. And we all have to determine those and understand that. Then if you jump down to verse 11, um, if you look at what happens, it says, From Troas we put out to sea and sailed uh, to the strait, uh, uh, to a strait, and on the next day we went into Neapolis, and you see what happened. Uh, Lydia was converted there in Philippi. How many of you ever heard of the book of Philippians? How many of you love the book of Philippians? Guess what? It was the Holy Spirit that said, don't preach here, don't preach here, okay, preach here. And guess what? Immediately something great happened. And so a lot of times, this is where we want to be careful, guys, is as we think about the Spirit's leading. If the Spirit is saying no or not now, don't linger and stare. Because that probably means the Spirit has something else He wants you to do right there. In Paul's case, right here in Acts chapter 16, God said no, no, yes, Liddy was saved, the church was planted. Does that make sense? What if Paul would have heard the first no and said, all right, I'll wait. The Spirit says, no, 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 we're going here. What if Paul would have stopped and stared and got bitter and kicked the ground, spit, cried, moaned? What happened? We wouldn't have seen the great works that God did over in Philippi in that area. So this is where we want to do, guys, if, if we think about the Spirit's leading in our lives. Um, if you sense God wants you to do something or start something or be something and you come up, uh, you talk to others in your class, sometimes you can, this can even in your class, we need to do this, and you sense it's something God has put on your heart. But it seems like the other, other people and the other guys around you are saying, man, I don't sense that's what we're supposed to do right now. Don't linger and moan and groan about what doesn't get done. Join the Spirit in what He's doing now. Does that make sense? Because that's where you're going to find the ultimate fulfillment and ultimate blessing. Now, if you look back and you circle back to these places the Spirit said no to then, guess what? You got back around to them later when the Spirit was ready. And so don't assume that uh, every time God doesn't immediately answer your prayers that it's always a no. Sometimes it might just be a not now. Might, it might be the not now, but in the midst of the not nows, as you're following the Holy Spirit, always go to the yes now. Does that make sense? There is always, there's always something God's Spirit wants us to be doing now.
Let's go join him in that moment and work and serve uh, him there. Uh, let me give you a couple things. How, how long have I taken? What, what time is anybody? I got five minutes? Okay, we're not going to finish this. We're going to do Holy Spirit Part 2, and maybe I'll add something to it next week, all right? Uh, so let me just give you a couple of things. We're not, we're not even going to get to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Y'all might all be lost for seven days. I recommend y'all drive very carefully. All right, Steve, you got that dry. You're all in school zones for the next seven days. All right, so here we go. All right, let me give you a couple of quick thoughts. I at least want to close up that the Holy Spirit is a person. Um, man, and I'm just going to roll through these in the next five minutes. He exhibits the actions of a person. If you look at it, uh, he guides us. Uh, he convicts us. He performs miracles. Uh, he intercedes for us. We don't understand fully all that's going on there, but in Romans chapter 8, he, said, he says, even, even when you don't have the words to pray, the Spirit knows what to say. You know, even the Spirit knows what to say. Uh, but if you look at those, man, it, the Holy Spirit guides us. There is nothing wrong. In fact, I encourage us more and more uh, to pray in such a way, Spirit, guide me, direct me, lead me. Teach me. Show me what you want me to do. Because the truth is, um, I know a lot of you text and drive, but if you're driving, that's probably not the time to be reading your Bible. But that doesn't mean that you can't be connected with God. How can you be connected with God? Through God's Spirit. Hey, Spirit, lead me when I get to the office. Lead me when I enter into this conversation. Lead me when I get home to say the right thing or say nothing. So somebody had something back over here. Yeah, you know that that's 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 a great question because if you look uh, across uh, uh, even time even times in denominations, uh, we uh, we we that that come out of the Baptist tradition have a tendency to de-emphasize the Spirit. And why is that? Because we see the excesses, right? We we, we see people who want to pray in the uh, uh, who want to pray in the Spirit and then get slain in the Spirit and then have all the gifts of uh, of the Spirit and stuff like that. And so we have a tendency not to be tapped in. And our there are other um, other denominational backgrounds where they man they're 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 talking to the Holy Spirit all of the time. I think we want to be careful about dividing them up too much because remember. One's will is going to be the same as the others. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So the will of the Father is going to be the same as the will of the Son, the will of the Holy Spirit. What I usually go to, uh, uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, and there's some smart, smart guys in this room. We are told in Scripture to pray in the Spirit, but never to the Spirit, if I remember correctly. But we're told to pray in Jesus' name. Okay, we're told to pray in Jesus' name. Yeah, Eric. I think so. Uh, Eric's going to the uh, to the Lord's Prayer. That uh, you know how we see it, and and it's always inspiring when you look at a, a football team as they're ready to take the field or something like that. Anybody? Uh, well, I won't bring that uh, show up. I don't want y'all to know I watched it. Um, the uh, uh, there are times even that you'll hear some of the foulest language as they're getting ready to take the football field. But right before they do, they step down. I'll say the Lord's Prayer. How many of you know? Aren't we just inspired by that? Um, 
the, uh, the reality of is it's a good reminder. But I, I think what Eric was getting to is that is not the scripted prayer we ought to pray every day. All right? That's more of a model prayer. It's a model. It's, it's a divine. So I, I would think that you would always want to pray in the Spirit, but to the Father in Jesus' name. Does that make sense? I want to pray in the Spirit to the Father in Jesus' name. That would be a pretty good model. I don't want to leave the Holy Spirit out. A lot of times we do. Too often we do. Uh, we leave the Holy Spirit out, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to come back in. Yeah, Tim. A lot, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, and, and probably can sneak into all of our vocabularies, and that's going back to his personal, is we don't want to refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's he the Father, he the Son, he the Holy Spirit. It's not it. Uh, I think a lot of times in, in that, there are a lot of times we refer to the Holy Spirit because as an it, sometimes it's just a, a natural vocabulary thing. I don't think you want to call out someone every time they refer, hey, the Holy Spirit does it, you know, that they're not necessarily saying it's an impersonal force. Sometimes it's just hard to describe. How many of you, let's be honest about this, how many of you can understand a father? We, I mean, from an earthly perspective, we can. How many of you, you can understand a son? Wrap your arms around spirit. Does that make sense? So I think sometimes uh, there are people that that refer to the Holy Spirit as an it, and uh, uh, they, they are. It's because they don't get it. They don't get him. I think sometimes it's because just as we're trying to flow in our natural vocabulary. We're, we're trying to come up with the right word. You know, he, the, so anyway. All right, so have we reached our, our time? All right, it's 6.59 here. Scott, welcome. Good to see you in there. Uh, Scott went, and I will just go ahead and have him tell you, uh, and I will do this tonight, uh, that you are in the church that was voted as the best place to worship in McKinney. And so give God a hand on that. Um and so since uh, Scott is the McKinney representative, uh, that, um, that uh, he went up and received that. And the better thing, the more beautiful thing, is we had a dual city win. We were also voted, and I'll go receive this award on your behalf tonight, as the best place to worship in Allen. So give God a hand on that. So uh, now I do want to point out that, um, that all of my staff lives in McKinney. Don't y'all live in McKinney and the rest of my staff? There's only one staff member that lives in Allen. That's me. And that just tells you who can get the most work done. <laughs> They've got everything north of 121, and I've got all my staff. They're all, they all live up there, and it's pretty much me and Gina just holding down the fort south of 21. So if you want to know who to pray for strength, it's us. But, hey, we're up to it. We're up to it. Anything they can do. We can do better. 
Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this day. Hey, thank you for a church that just wants to study your word, a bunch of guys that want to serve you and love you. Uh, thank you for uh, Justin and Scott in the back who just do phenomenal work, and they're always pulling uh, and pushing and stretching and challenging us. Uh, God, thank you for um, uh, those that are new. Pete today uh, joining us in here, been around for a while. God, I just thank you for the day, uh, the night that I met him. Uh, just uh, out in a subdivision at a party, and uh, they've been showing up so faithfully. And God, I, I just pray that we'd be, have that same um, idea, which is, uh, God, who do you want me to meet today? Who do you want me to invite? Who do you want me to share with today? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you guys. You all have a good one. See you all.